Uh, hi, everybody. This is Corey with the Phoenix MMA uh, podcast. So new episodes has been a little bit. Um, I hate it that I, it's been a little bit since I did an episode, but life gets busy and got to work a little, uh, little extra. So uh, just have busy stuff. So it comes up. But uh, new podcast. This is uh, going to be an important one. It's a it's a really yeah, it's going to be one of the more important ones um, that I've made so far. And it's uh, I've just. Again, this is to help out if you are training jiu-jitsu or any type of martial art or something like that. Um, just little tips and tricks along the way. They're not really tips and tricks. It's just um, advice for for how some of the um, some of the best uh, martial artists in the world, fighters, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, um, etc., how they um, train and and one of the reasons why they uh, achieve a high level of success. Because um, sometimes, um, you know, it's hard to know what an Olympian, like an Olympic athlete, how do they eat, sleep, train, think um, until you get to the Olympics or you get to a national championship level or world championship level. Um, so sometimes, um, yeah, it's cool to get little info. So little tips and stuff that will help you. And uh, the, the sooner that you learn the lessons um, or the when it comes to training and competition, things like that, the better. It'll speed up. Um, so, um, so this one's going to be called the uh, the value of making mistakes. So, was thinking about calling this like the value of losing, um, but the value of making mistakes because you know losing sometimes people. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I don't ever want to say I want you to lose matches if you're competing. Um, sometimes it's very necessary and it's very good for you actually um but we'll just we'll focus on the uh the value of mistakes um because when it comes to competition uh or if you know if you have to use martial arts to defend yourself um you need to you need to actually use positive um sports psychology um because the the way that you look at it and uh the thought that you that you are not going to lose will increase the odds of uh, of you actually winning and what it'll do is it'll um Make you less insecure. Put you. It's easier to get into a flow state, and uh, so you perform better. So you actually need a positive psychology uh, game plan when it comes to uh, competition, things like that. But so it's not called the value of making uh, or not making uh, the value of losing. It's the value of making mistakes. But lots of times, um, when you make mistakes, that's going to come in the form of loss. Uh, when it comes to martial arts or. Um, yeah, mixed martial arts, sports, etc. Same thing happens in business or uh, your professional life. Um, so all lots of these things uh, apply from other things. Um, but and you might even know this from your from your professional life or another uh, practice that you've been in. It's the same reason why the the Book of Five Rings um, discusses like once you know the way in one thing that it's the way in all things. So there's a there's a similar pathway to uh, to mastery when it comes to uh, different different things uh martial arts or um or a sport or a musical instrument things like that so um this one the 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 what i'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to do two different pieces um so first like to figure out why we don't understand the value of making mistakes um there's kind of just a thing with society that's the kind of flipped upside down it's it's really pretty wild um, once you understand it, that it flips upside down, but try to explain that and then, uh, and then give my own personal story on, um, how I dealt with it and how I learned how to get, um, how I learned how to deal with it type thing. Uh, but it is tough. It's not easy. Um, society is lots of times very negative too. If you make a mistake or if you lose, um, you know, everybody knows that, um, you know, if you, it's, it's, it's like, um, 
I would say it's the it's the reason why we're afraid to make uh, mistakes is because um, when you make a mistake, like say you miss a you're playing a soccer game, you miss a kick, uh, people will boo you or make fun of you. Um, so the question is, why does the crowd or why does society why do they feel the urge to boo? Um, that's an interesting little thing. Um, this is gonna go. This is gonna touch on like. Um, uh, a lot to do with ego um, from yourself, and then again, you could say society or just the crowd of people that kind of are in, that would be in a crowd and boo. Um, usually, high-level athletes um, will not boo um, at, for competitions. It's a, it's a normal or not normal. It's a it's a common trait. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a common trait. Like uh, the fight last night, there was Chris Weidman versus Ronaldo Jacare, and spoiler alert, Jacare um, wins a TKO knockout um, victory against Chris Weidman. It's a really really tough fight for both guys, um, but they have super respect for each other. Um, that's a normal thing in martial arts. The Conor McGregor phenomena or the Ronda Rousey kind of trash talk thing. There is always a, there's a certain part of show to it to attract uh, more mainstream crowds, but um, generally martial artists and, and athletes are still ha- when it comes to combat sports have a different type of um, respect. Um, I can't speak on uh, other sports, um, you know, others. Anyway, I won't go into that. Uh, um, but it is not going to just deal with um, society's ego. It's going to deal with your own ego. And uh, like a good quote to just get into this is uh, by uh, Gary Tonin. This is a really good one. Um, Gary Tonin, if you don't know who he is, is an elite level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, uh, submission grappler. Um, Gary Tonin's no joke. He's well-balanced. Um, he has very good wrestling, um, good upper body throws, very good leg locks. He has a good guard, good top game. Um, Gary Tonin, I consider a very balanced, very, um, very, uh, yeah, very balanced grappler and very, very skilled. Um, but you could check him out in the EBIs and Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. He's uh, he, Gary Tonin's no joke. But a quote from him uh, says, um, in an average five-round training session, I will get submitted 15 times. Take that information and ask yourself if you really have no ego. Okay, so that's a it's a big quote. Like Gary Tonin's no joke. He's very very good. Um, and this is just one quote. You could find this from a lot of other Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. But um, yeah, Gary Tonin's no joke. Like uh, if if you go with Gary Tonin, you're terrified of your ACL being torn and you can't walk for six months. Um, doesn't matter who you are on the planet. You have to you have to address that. Think about it. Um, you know he went with Tokinho. Tokinho in the UFC. Tokinho got banned from the UFC um, for for tearing people's knees apart. Um, his nickname is Tree Stump, and he's you know again somewhere around that five foot eight, five foot nine, but about two hundred twenty five pounds, and specializes with uh, heel hooks and inside heel hooks. So. Um, is that he has an interesting frame and one of the most dangerous attacks. Well, Gary Tonu was outweighed by him by a significant amount, you know, maybe 40 pounds, 50 pounds, and uh, I'm assuming it's not on the, the exact same supplements that Tokinho's on. And um, Gary Tonin challenged him to a match. They had a match, and not only did Gary Tonin do the match against Tokinho, who had just got who who's been banned from the UFC um, for holding heel hooks too long. Um, there's a size difference, so that's even more dangerous when it comes to leg locks if somebody has 50 pounds on you. Um, and then they have a reputation for not letting go of the submission, even when the ref, when you tap or the ref says stop. That's what Tokinho's, his um his bad reputation he's had in uh, mixed martial arts, but he has similar things in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Um, Gary Tonin, you would think maybe that he'd come up with an elaborate strategy to uh, avoid the leg lock game, but instead uh, he goes straight into it with Tokinho. You know, again, UFC... Um, fighters who are much bigger than Gary Tonin are terrified would not would not do that. 
um, and, and he damages you if you do. Gary Tony goes straight to it um, and like swims with the sharks. Goes straight leg lock for a leg lock with Tokino. So um, Gary Tonin's a, a very good grappler. And um, yeah, so good quote. So you are going to have to uh, you know assess your own ego as well. Um, I'll just go, um, I guess just quick introductory, like again, on how this goes, like this is a, it is a common thread among, um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioners and I'll say world champions and national champions, but it's also with Olympians, um, a, a lot of high level athletes, um. So it is an interesting trend, but mine, uh, when I first, I'll just start my introduction. I started with wrestling. I started wrestling my freshman year in high school and I sucked just miserably, um, at wrestling, like was terrible. Uh, I'm going to tell you my record, my freshman year, my first year wrestling, my record, it was absolutely dismal. It was terrible. It's like the worst record of all time. Um, but then uh, I'll go into that later on, but just know that when I first started wrestling my first year, I was terrible, like terrible, really, really sucked. Um, but I had a, uh, a high work ethic and I had a, and I really enjoyed it. So I had an urge to get good at it quickly. Um, you can fast forward that to eventually I, I won, um, two national titles in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, an amateur MMA world title in Scotland. And then, um, I became Tennessee's first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion, um, in the adult, in the adult division. Um, so I was terrible when I first started wrestling, like terrible, not good at all, um, and got some good things. Uh, other things, like I, I, I essentially I followed, this is this is not my idea, but I would call this the GSP blueprint, um, but GSP when this is like maybe 2004, 5, 6, uh, GSP, they had an all access and they would follow how you train, but GSP's blueprint was essentially he, he wrestled with college wrestlers, he boxed with professional boxers, um, he you know, uh, sparred with uh karate world champions um he does jiu-jitsu with really really good percent jiu-jitsu black belts Hodge gracie um you know he goes hensler gracie's a lot um but i followed gsp's blueprint that was i was like that's i think that's a smart sound blueprint um but i i have got to the point where i've i can take down judo black belts i can take down college wrestlers i can box with professional boxers um i can submit black belts and percent jiu-jitsu and i can spar with muay thai fighters as well um i you know this is not saying that uh, my skill set is as high in all those things. It's just um, if if you uh, the mindset when it comes to training, and if you check your ego, and if you understand the value of making mistakes, it will make it so that you can um, you can get good in multiple martial arts if you choose to. So if you want to be an MMA fighter, or you want to get good at wrestling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, or you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo, or you know anyway your combination that you want to do, um, it's a it's a similar kind of little. Uh, blueprint, similar blueprint, um, but GS that was GSP's blueprint, um, and uh, he's he's still using that. Uh, so um, we'll just go into it. Um, you know, we'll start with uh, the society stuff that's annoying. So again, these are all just theories, but um, you know, it's probably good arguments against my theories too. There's always good arguments to all theories, but um, this is the things I've noticed, uh, like. We're afraid. There's a natural fear to make uh, to make a mistake, um, to be embarrassed in front of other people, to be embarrassed in front of our peers or family members. Um, it's a natural fear, you know. I think I've heard before that the number one fear is public speaking, and then number two is death. Or you know, I don't know if that's actually true or not, or if it's just like a convenient, funny little meme. Uh, but we have this natural um, natural fear of uh, being. Uh, embarrassed in front of our peers and there's there's some good reason why um for it there's or good explanations why um so 
you know, if you were to be banned from your tribe, whatever, X amount of years ago, then it'd be very difficult to survive by yourself. So there is like a natural, probably a natural piece to it where we don't want to be embarrassed. And, um, and sometimes when you, you know, if you're embarrassed, it's probably because you did something that was just, you made a mistake. You did something that was not, um, correct in the, the scenario. So, um, it stings. Um, but, um, but ultimately that's how you learn. So the same thing with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the point we're going to get to. Um, but society, the, the, the society or the, the, the negative people in crowds or stands or, you know, somebody who goes, goes on a Jiu Jitsu, like a YouTube video on a Jiu Jitsu match and they go trash, that trash talk Jiu Jitsu match. Or, you know, the, um, I think, uh, when Kyle Snyder, there was, you know, people that were talking about, um, like critiquing him because it lost um, when when he lost recently, um, when he when he lost, like people were critiquing uh, like the manner in which he got pinned and the technical things, and it's like ah, you wouldn't say that if you get on the mat with him. Um, it's pretty funny to armchair quarterback, but just don't stress like you know the best people in the world, um, the people that are literally gold medalists or world championship champions still get critiqued. Um, it's just part of it. Um, for some reason. So, um, first thing is to understand that if you're trying to train, you're just trying to get good at something. Um, if you get critiqued, it's going to happen. Uh, it happens to the best. Um, but why, like, why, why would people do this or why would society, why is it a natural instinct? Um, there's like a lot of different little names for it. There's, um, you know, armchair quarterbacks, uh, bullies, um, be the really sanctimonious, um, you know, just little things like, uh, afraid to try to admit they don't know anything. Um, very judgmental. Um, this, this little cluster of, um, kind of negative people that will, um, when somebody tries to achieve something or they attempt something, um, they will make fun of said person, whether that's, you know, you're trying to get a new haircut or you're trying to go try for a job, um, or, you know, you trip and fall on the sidewalk or, you know, you're a waitress in a restaurant and you drop a glass and the person who's like, Ooh, look at that. And like causes attention to you. Um, you know, there's all these little, little things, you know, there's this. So I'm not, um, not thinking it's hard to not, um, be afraid to make mistakes in front of people, but I'll give you the jujitsu reason why you want to. Um, it's gonna it's gonna make your technical development and growth uh, speed up. Um, there's uh, okay, so some memes are really good. I'll go through this really quick. It's just um, I think the whole societal question, like why does society uh, look at somebody who tries something, anything it is, it could be anything, sport. Um, why do people? Um, laugh at it point um i think lots of times it comes from insecurity um a, a lot of people want to try to do things like you know say you, they they wish that they would get off the couch and you know um go to a jiu-jitsu gym train for seven or eight months and then sign up for a jiu-jitsu tournament and then go out there and compete um you know a lot of people a lot of people actually wish they would do it but they just for some reason they just cannot um they just won't. They just won't. They either cannot or they, they just will not go to the gym. There's there's lots of different uh, reasons for this. But um, the the terrible, the worst, like, manifestation out of this, like, mode of being is to, to look at people who do attempt um, something. Like, you know, this, this, you know, person that you train for seven months, you go compete. And let's say you lose um, your first match and you're out of division. The next one, you win your first match and then you lose your second one. Um, so to critique or laugh at something like that that goes actually and tries is um, it's not good. It's not a good thing. Um, but I think it comes down to a, 
uh, insecurity. The person wishes actually that they would go up and do it, um, but they won't. Um, so you don't feel good when you actually feel insecure. You need something to mask it. So if you make fun of somebody else, sometimes um, pushing, uh, what will happen is they will attempt to push someone else down to make them feel better about themselves or more elevated. Um, but it only, it's not real. It's a, it's a false buffer um, because it, it's temporary. It's not actually real. Um, if you develop yourself and you work on yourself, you educate yourself, um, your self-esteem will naturally start to rise uh, just because you'll have you'll be more educated. Um, you'll be a better version of yourself. Um, but putting people down is not a good long-term strategy. It works temporarily. Um, so it's like so it's why it's a consistent. I I, I think it's a reason why there's a consistent need of. Um, bullies to bully people or uh people who are negative put people down um anyway it's not sustainable it's not a not a healthy thing but i do think it comes from insecurity that's the shame of it um is uh insecurity but this is a, a little meme um probably seen this floating around uh it's just confident um confident people versus insecure people and this is just confident people versus insecure people um i think a lot of the um the uh, the fear of making mistakes is caused from uh, people pointing fingers and laughing at you when you make a mistake. Um, but I think uh, the the reason why people point the finger is because they're insecure. And again, um, you know we're all insecure to some level. You just kind of have to pay attention to yourself, and you have to uh, you have to watch what you read, what you listen to, the diet, the type of food that you eat, the exercise, the people that you um, associate yourself with, the habits that you have, all these things affect, um, they affect how confident or insecure you are. Um, but yeah, so anyway, you can check them over them. But uh, confident, it's just a quick little list on this. Um, number one, open-minded. Number two, gives compliments. Three, willing to learn from others. Four, takes responsibilities for thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Five, operates on principles. Six, admits mistakes. Seven, not afraid to show flaws. Eight, positive thinker. Nine, risk taker. Ten, never talks negatively about people. Eleven, abundance mindset, uh, a natural giver. Twelve, accepts uh, others' differences. And 13, can laugh at themselves. So these are just traits. It's just a little trait list of um, traits, uh, uh, sorry, characteristics of um of confident people and uh, confident people it's not a natural thing if you're just naturally confident that's uh, arrogance and, and pe- nobody likes arrogance um, but actually just confident in yourself as a person um, but those those things on that list are very difficult to do um, to admit mistakes is very difficult um, take responsibility uh, responsibility for your thoughts feelings actions results um, that's also difficult to do. It's a natural thing. Sometimes you take responsibility for the mistakes you make. Um, you know, it could get you in trouble with your work or get you in trouble as you're growing up with your parents and things like that. Um, that's a difficult thing. So it takes a strong person to be able to do those things, but, um, it's a good goal. Um, insecure people, um, the list that we have for insecure people, number one, closed minded. Number two, seeks validation. Number three, a know-it-all. Number four, makes excuses for everything. Number five, do it feels good. Number six, blames others. Number seven, comes off fake because they hide their flaws. Number eight, negative thinker. Number nine, stays in comfort zone. Number 10, gossips. Number 11, uh, scarcity mindset, a natural taker. Number 12, dislikes people. Number 13, judgmental. Number uh, Number 14, worries what 
other people will think. Um, so, you know, and again, like I said, all of us are insecure um, from time to time or uh, different, uh, different levels at different times, uh, depending on what's going on with your life. But that's just a couple characteristics that you could check out for and watch. I think um, all of those characteristics, um, it's, it's easy to see how blaming others is not good for you. Um, you know, being closed mind is not good for you. Uh, having a scarcity mindset is not good for you. Um, you know, disliking people generally is not good for you. So, um, but, uh, I think it's hard to be confident. Um, I think it's easy to be insecure. Um, I think, uh, you can think of being insecure almost like, uh, if you're trying to have a good flower bread, uh, flower bed, not bread, um, flower bed, and you're trying to, um, have a very, very, like a, just a beautiful flower bed. Um, and you don't, and you want everything to look, uh, very, very nice. And you're proud of it when you look at it and it looks beautiful and, um, and it changes your mood every single time that you come home and you see it. Um, I think that is difficult to do. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes work, takes education and takes diligent, consistent, um, focus. Um, but, uh, for, for weeds to grow, you don't have to do anything at all. So, um, they'll just naturally grow and overtake it. But at the same time, you'll, you won't admire that flower garden. Um, it won't make you, uh, feel better about your day. When you look at that flower garden, it will actually make you more neurotic and, um, and stress you out. So anyway, the insecure list to me just seems like weeds, you know, just weeds to pull out. And the confident side of the, that list, um, just seems like, uh, you know, whatever type of flower that you want to plant in your garden and make it grow. So we are going to get to jiu-jitsu, I promise, just going through this, um, breaking down a reason why uh, you're you're scared to uh, make mistakes or why you're nervous to make mistakes. Because um, once you understand why you're nervous, then it's going to be easier for you to let go of that and, um, and just go out there and start making mistakes. And the second you do that, your jiu-jitsu is going to get way better. Your escape is going to get better. Your submission is going to get better. A lot of stuff is going <clears> to, <throat> skill-wise, you're going you're gonna to get better. Um, but, um, uh, so anyway, moving on, uh, this is just a, this is a theory that I've heard about purpose, um, or sorry, a a theory that I've heard about the purpose of your ego. Um, it's just kind of interesting again, you know, this could be completely incorrect, but it's just, just an interesting thought. Um, but one, one theory for the purpose of your ego is, um, to help keep, um, help keep us alive long enough to survive um, until we gain, you know, skills like survival skills, um, you know, be able to protect yourself, etc. Um, and this is just interesting because the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed till your mid twenties. Um, prefrontal cortex is what's responsible for your decision making. Um, so you know, maybe you know, if when you ever you meet somebody that's really really young, usually their ego is uh, really really inflated. Um, they think they understand everything about the world. They think they know everything about the world. Um, they're less humble. Um, they definitely know it all. Um, but again, their brain's not fully formed yet. But um, you know, again, when you're 19 years old, um, uh, it, you you might not be ready for all the world stresses. Uh, all the world stresses that when you're 45 years old and you're a parent and you've dealt with. Uh, some heavy things in your life. Um, you know, maybe a 19 year old at that time just needs to focus on uh, gaining skills and uh, setting up good uh, skill acquisition, setting up their uh, their their future their future life. So, anyway, um, interesting little theory on uh, ego because um, we all have egos. We definitely do. You just want to have a healthy ego. Um, you don't want to be a pushover. Um, you don't want to just let people push you around and. Uh, because then they'll take advantage of you, and, and you know that's that's not good for you to get taken advantage of. Um, so you don't want to have no ego, and you just I would say you just want to have a healthy one. Um, 
some other other causes on this one um the because insecurity is one little theory thrown out is that the people that are acting like that um are insecure but another one i have is um um I think you can get converted into it, and how you get converted into it is essentially you try. You try really hard, but the thing about it is to get good at anything, you have to try very hard for a sustained, like a long sustained amount of time. So what happens is people will try very, very hard, and then they will quit. Um, they will quit sometimes just before they should not have quit. Um, or, you know, maybe what they're trying to get good at is going to take another two years and they just don't realize it's going to take another two years or it's going to take another three months or it's going to take another set another seven months. It's very difficult to predict exactly how long it's going to take to be successful or good at something. But what happens is, um, you, you try really, really hard and, um, you just don't do it for a sustained, uh, a long enough time period, um, you know, and, uh, and then you fail. And then when you fail, you're then uh, made fun of or ridiculed, you know, something like that. Like somebody goes out, they do a tournament, and they just, you know, they just get thrown. They just get, you know, for they just get thrown and then armbarred right away. And then if somebody was to, you know, uh, make fun of them or put them down or something like that, um, then I think it could convert you into one of those people because you're like, well, I'll never try again. It's terrible, you know. Nobody likes to feel embarrassed. Nobody likes to feel, um, you know, the 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 laughing stock at all. And I think as a protection mechanism, you could convert to one of those people um, and just decide, like, you know what, I'll never try again. I'm just, you know, that felt terrible. Not only it feels terrible when you lose. It like you're you're hard enough on yourself when you lose uh, a match or a fight. But the way that society acts will make it even worse, though. So they'll add the whole public humiliation on top of it. So it could, I think it could convert you um, uh, into doing that. And then, um, and again, then you're not happy with it. you're not happy with yourself because um, you would like it if you're really, really good at jujitsu um, or anything like that. But instead, um, you quit because you know. You know, you you had a hard time and you experienced that, and you just you're like, nope, that's not a good feeling. I'm not gonna not experience that again. So I think that is that is a potential cause also. And then there's a, a term that there's a term. It's actually pretty similar with this, but just a recent term I heard is called lawnmower parents. Um, I think I haven't looked into it too much. It's an interesting little term, but uh, um, like lawnmower parents is a theory. Like there's helicopter parents, uh, but there's but I've, the lawnmower parent I've heard is um, really interesting. It's um, uh, that the the parent um, is the lawnmower in front of the child, mows the grass, and makes everything like level and perfect, so the child has a, a perfect um, kind of easy path through life. Um, but then, then when you actually get to adult life, um, it's actually very complex and very difficult and very competitive. Um, so when you first experience that as an adult, um, uh, it's, it's, you, you don't know how to handle it because you had such an even surface, um, easy, easy type of thing. So anyway, I see this, it's interesting teaching children because a lot of the parents will uh, speak about their children and how, um, training has affected their attitude and how they're starting to learn, um, a little bit different. It's kind of, it's really fun to see a child when they first start training, uh, and how they develop over six months and over nine months and over a year. Um, it's, it's actually, it's one of the coolest things ever. Um, but what happens is with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, the children are generally more open-minded and as long as you can, um, get them to come consistently, they will, they're kind of, they will try different things. They'll experiment a little bit more. So lots of times children can learn pretty quickly, um, some techniques that sometimes take adults, um, more time to learn. Uh, so, um, 
anyway, sorry. Uh, but uh, oh, sorry, sorry. But the, the whole point of that lawnmower parents, I talk to a lot of the parents, and it's uh, and it's like uh, I have multiple parents that will, you know, they 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 know that it's good for them to do martial arts because it's good for them to one day um, have a hard time, uh, hit a failure, and then the very next day work harder and then have a good day, and then go to one tournament and and lose, and then and then work hard and then go to the next tournament and win. So um, it's a common thing that we have with our parents when I'm talking to them. They understand that um, that how martial arts kind of develops you and helps you out so all this long rant um how could this help you with your jiu-jitsu what's the what's the bjj application what's the brazilian jiu-jitsu application we're talking about all this theory in society blah 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 what's the brazilian jiu-jitsu application i'm doing this podcast because earlier this week i brought it up when we were we were working on uh uh Regarding, we are working on defending guard passes and regaining our guard. So going over some things, um, that's what kind of brought this up to me. Um, because what we're having uh, pretty common, and I've heard it, is um, you know so when you first start training, the thing is you're just getting beat up, you're getting submitted, you know, you're getting choked and everything. And what happens is you get to the point you hate you hate getting beat. And uh, but you start learning, and and as you get beat more and more, you you start learning like um, how you can avoid different things. And um, one of the strategies that will come about will be, um, you know, riding the clock in a class, like looking up, and there's two minutes left. You know, your guards passed, and you will get to this point. This is like a natural level of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but you need to get past this point. So one level, you get to the point where you look up, and it's you know when you first start Jiu-Jitsu, you're just in survival mode. You're just trying to survive. You're trying not to you know get your head ripped off, your shoulders ripped off. And even though you're trying not to, you're still getting your head and your shoulders ripped off when you first start jujitsu. But there's gonna so then you're gonna get to a point where you're just trying to work on your defense. Once you get to the point where you've developed some defense, it's gonna be harder for you to get submitted, and you'll be able to survive more and more often. Uh, but sometimes you will stall stall out. That's the whole point of this podcast: is if you you stall out in a certain point where you get to where you're purely defensive and you're not being offensive. And what'll happen? A common uh, saying with that is that I'll, I'll hear someone say, like, you know, I look up and there's you know there's three minutes left on the clock, and I'm thinking if I don't tap this three minutes, then you know I win, or you know there's a minute and a half left, and if I don't tap, I win, something like that. That is a, a stage of jujitsu, but that is. Um, when you're going from novice to beginner, you know, um, novice, you, you don't understand how to defend anything. And then as a beginner, you start learning some defense. Um, but to get past that beginner level, you have to start being offensive um, and even being offensive with your defense. Um, what that means is um, working back to your guard, using your hip escape, um, being aggressive with your guard retention, um, making uh purposely making attacks um you know fighting scrambling to your knees scrambling to your turtle then turning into a single leg or a double leg you know sitting out um there's going to be a point where you have to you have to uh, be more aggressive uh more aggressive with your defensive strategies and tactics all all your defensive techniques that you learn um so that you can keep yourself in the game or in the fight so to speak more uh more of the time you could think of jiu jitsu even in football terms you could think of bottom or top doesn't really matter cuz the bottom in jiu jitsu the bottom um person who's sparring can be more offensive than the top person. It's not. Um, it's it's an interesting martial art that the person on bottom who can actually be dictating the pace and can fatigue the person on top. Um, but you have to develop your guard to be able to do that, and you also have to start. Um, being willing, you have to be willing to make mistakes. That's the whole point of this. Um, if you're inside control, and again, you look up, there's two minutes left on the clock. 
and you're thinking, okay, if I last this two minutes um, with, um, let's just say Eric, we'll say Eric or, or Kevin, like if I last this two minutes with Eric and Kevin, they don't submit me, you know, I, I win. That is a stage that you're going to get to. But once you get to that stage and you recognize that stage, you start getting that stage, I want you to get past that stage. I want you to get to the point where um, it's not that you want to not get submitted for the next two minutes. You want to sweep them. You want to get back to your guard and you want to sweep them. Or you want to get to a single leg and you want to finish that single leg and get on top. Or you're on top and they're attacking you, but you, you're not just trying to defend the armbar. You're trying to defend the armbar and then pass their guard or mount them. And, you know, because you have to get that stage first. Then after you get that stage, as you start getting positional, um, getting more confident with positional exchanges and being aggressive positionally, the exact same doorway is going to open up when it comes to submissions. Um, but if you're if you're in this, uh, you're in kind of like an insecure mindset, and you're you're worried. You're in an inferior position. You're in a bad spot. I want to uh, wrap around my bo- my opponent's chest or back, and I'm going to hold tight because um, because I don't want to get submitted. Um, we have to get out of that mindset. And the the, the thing that you have to do is you have to. Um, uh, let go of the fear of making mistakes. Okay, so if you're inside control and you're holding on for your, uh, you're, you're holding on, you're squeezing because you don't want to get armbar, you don't want to get choked. The thing that you're worried about is you're you're uh, worried about making that, using that hip escape, using that elbow escape, using that shrimp, um, or you know, cu- turtling to your knees and then going for a single leg or something because you're worried about getting guillotined or you're worried about getting kamored or armbar or dars or mounted guillotine. You're worried or cross collar choked or bravo choked. You're worried about all these things. The problem is every single time that you use that escape. Um, the escape gets better. So it's like experience. It gains a small amount of experience. It might only be like two points. Two points out of five million. You need five million. But every single time you try, you get two points as video game terms. So you get two points on your experience bar for that particular escape, whichever escape it is. Then at the exact same time, so we'll go video. Yeah, we're going to go video game here for a second. And then at the same time, when you use that escape, you get two points on your uh, hip escape. Uh, XP, you know, and you need 5 million points to be at a black belt level. That's what we'll say. You get two points every time you try. But then uh, every time that you try, um, you get arm barred, okay? So that stinks. It's annoying. It's embarrassing. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody enjoys losing. It stings every single time that anybody um, you has to submit, you know, but you can use it as a, motivating, as a motivator as opposed to something that stresses you out or, or makes you close up. Um, so um, lost it. I hate when I lose lose my point. Lose my point. Lost it. Well, I'm gonna go back to my notes and then I'll. Oh, so here we go. So when the video game terms, there we were. Uh, so the submission when so you get armbarred. The thing that the the thing that you might not understand when you first start training white belt blue belt level is that every single time that you use your hip escape and you get armbarred, you get darsed. You the same experience that that theoretical experience bar that we have for your escape you get two points on you get points added to that experience bar it's a separate experience bar on armbar defense armbar awareness and armbar you know limitations the, the everything about the armbar the 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 side that you're receiving it, how to defend it, what it feels like. Um, and a lot of these things you don't see, you have to feel them. Um, and, and, uh, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts can, can do Jiu-Jitsu with the blindfold or with eyes closed because you actually feel way more than you, than you think you feel like your entire body communicates head to toe, um, and tells you what your opponent's doing once you get to a high enough level. Um, but you have to, uh, bring those experience bars up and that's going to mean that you get armbarred. Um, that's going to happen. I mean, it's going to mean 
mean that you get guillotine or darst. Um, and that's going to happen. But what happens is your escape keeps on getting better. Every time you do that, you get two points, two points, two points. Your escape keeps on getting better, keeps on getting better. And as you get submitted, the thing is that it sucks, it stinks um, that you're getting submitted. But every single time you get submitted, you are getting your submission defense and understanding and aware, uh, awareness of that submission, of said submission, also goes up. Okay, Some of the hardest people to beat in the world are people who get beat a lot early in their career. Hodge Gracie is one. Uh, he was born in a family where he, he got destroyed from white to you know white to purple belt, just destroyed, submitted all the time. Um, then as a black belt, he's one of the greatest of all time, one of the hardest people to submit or do anything to. So um, uh, as you get submitted, you're, it's, it becomes harder and harder to submit you. Um, and the more that you escape, you're getting that ex- experience bump on your escape uh, bar. So your escapes are getting better. So it gets to the point where it's hard to, hard to keep you somewhere you don't want to be, and it's also hard to submit you. Um, that's a good place to be if you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to make a lot of mistakes, and you're gonna have to lose a lot. Um, but you're just gonna have to keep your head on uh, straight as it's happening, um, so that you won't um, become too defensive and just seize up or close up, um, and that'll stifle your growth. So, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the point I'm trying to get across. Essentially, um, I know I went on a, a long little rant on it, but um, it's. It's the the point I'm trying to get across with jiu-jitsu. We are getting to the point uh, at Phoenix MMA. We're getting to the point where we're getting some good jiu-jitsu practitioners, and we need just a little. We just need a little push, just a little bit of a push. Um, and I think uh, this is the type of push that we need right now. There's going to be another time where we're going to need a, a different type of push, um, something else we need to work on. Um, you know, we, that's what we try to do with the gym. We try to look at his lesson plan. Like we needed to work on our open guard, so we did a three week lesson plan on our open guard. Um, we needed to get ready for some competition, uh, kind of sports psychology, competition stress. So that's when we had a late night. You know, lights were off, um, music was loud, uh, really loud. Um, competition practice so just a little piece um to help you out um and the the other the this is going to be cool if we get to the point where we're less afraid to make mistakes and we're we're doing more transitions and we're attacking more we're defending more escaping more um it's going to make the the level of the entire room go up and um and it's going to be that's how you get a reputation for a really really difficult gym to deal with um you um there's there's certain gyms that are very very tough, um, and I'd like us to be tough. As in, we're tough competitors, uh, good athletes, um, very sharp, very quick, you know, strong, all those good things. Uh, you you need to work on your physical development as well. But I want technically um, to be good and sound, um, but also to be uh, tough to submit. And how you become tough to submit is you have to. Um, you know, you could think of like making like a sword. You have to you have to put it in the flame in the forge. You have to expose it to heat to high temperatures. Then you have to come uh, take it out, and then you have to like beat it with a hammer, take out the impure uh, and imperfections that you want, and you have to add multiple layers to it. Um, so every time you spar and every time you get it submitted, you're you're adding uh, layers, you know, to to your jujitsu game. Or you could just think of uh, if you're if you like video games the experience bar, um, if that helps you out. Um, and the last little thing, um, so I'm going to wrap this podcast up, but it's going to give you an example of, you know, earlier, um, you know, there's a lot of 
a lot of people who have won world championships or Olympic gold medals have um, the similar, same type message. Um, I've spent a lot of money on books, training programs, um, watched thousands of hours of interviews. Um, I've got to hang out with some really, really, really high-level MMA fighters, uh, wrestlers, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, boxers, etc. Um, so just trying to encapsulate this in a like 30, 40-minute podcast just to get it down. But um, one example that I can give you is my own example. Um, I didn't start training until my freshman year in high school. Um, and I'm just going to go through this really quick so you get to see how much I sucked when I first started wrestling. When I first started grappling, um, it's pretty funny uh, how bad I was. Um, but Anyway, I start. I didn't. I started. Uh, I didn't start till my freshman year in high school. I started wrestling. Um, I had done other sports when I was younger, but I didn't start wrestling till my freshman year in high school. Um, my uh, just so you know, I don't know exactly what my wrestling record was. I'd like to see if I could get my coach and figure out what my wrestling was. But I'm just gonna make one up. To this would reflect what my wrestling record would be my first year. I think it went like two and thirty-five. Like two wins and 35 losses my first year wrestling. Um, I make a joke about it. My very first wrestling match, I got uh, freaked out and I actually wanted to quit. Um, wanted to quit wrestling. I had kind of like an anxiety panic, panic attack and I thought I was going to quit. Then I had my first wrestling match, got pinned in like 15 seconds, lost quick. And then um, it was one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. It was one of the most terrifying things, but also fun things at the exact same time. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I liked it. Um, but yeah, that whole first year, I think I went two and 35, something like that. It might be, um, I don't think I won more than two matches my first year. I might've lost less than that or more than that. Um, so the reason why is with wrestling, it was my freshman year. Um, usually when it comes to high school wrestling, the, the, the varsity wrestlers are seniors or juniors and they're, uh, you know, they're the best people on the team and the freshmen are usually JV and you kind of build your way up. But we had a new team that was a small team. I ended up getting lucky that I only had one other guy in my weight class, my division. So to wrestle off for JV to get, or sorry, wrestle off for varsity. Um, and it was also his first year wrestling. So, um, I just worked harder than he did. And, um, we both started at the exact same time and I'd kind of edge him on the wrestling wrestle off. So I'd get varsity. Um, but, that was my <clears> – <throat> I got forced to learn this lesson of making mistakes really, really early. I hated it when, I, when it was happening, but now I'm really thankful that I went through it. I was forced to. But um, So I was my freshman year and my first year wrestling, and all I went against were, you know, whatever, seniors or juniors who had wrestled for either four to eight years, um, some of them very, very good. And some of them just – they were just older, more developed than me. Um, they were taller, more muscular. And also they wrestled four years and I had wrestled for three weeks, you know, or, you know, six weeks or something like that. Um, so I got, I got thrashed a good bit. Um, and then even at practice, my wrestling, my partner's wrestling, I had, uh, my friend, these are all my friends, uh, that I wrestled with Joseph, Clint, Grant, all three of them had wrestled all through middle school. So I think they had already wrestled, you know, either three or four years. Um, some of them started wrestling a little bit younger before middle school, but, um, but yeah, had wrestled and, um, uh, or at least had wrestled in middle school because I can't speak for Joseph Clint Grant, all of them. Um, but they had at least wrestled in middle school, and I had never. Um, and they just thrashed me my first year every single day in practice. I'm talking about I got beat every day in practice. Two-hour practice, I just lost every round. Every takedown round, I got taken down every takedown. Um, every time we started, like I would, you know, I'd be getting pinned or just back exposure, just got thrashed. So I got thrashed in the practice room constantly, and I got thrashed in competition constantly. 
um, but I want to get good at it, and uh, and I just set my mind to it that I was like, I'm going to get good at this. It doesn't matter what happens. So I ended up getting the the most uh, most um, uh, improved wrestler award multiple years um, through high school, and I just I just got obsessed with figuring out how to get good. Um, but I felt like I had started too late. Um, I hadn't started too late, but. But I, so I, I got an interest in this, started reading books and things at a really young age to help me out because I didn't like losing. Sucked to lose. And especially going to a wrestling match, you go um, in your freshman, it's your first year, and you're going as a senior, um, and they throw you on your head in front of uh, people at your school. Um, you know, it's an embarrassing thing. Um, but yeah, I was, I was terrible my freshman year. So, uh, but it forced me. Uh, it forced me to deal with just constantly losing and constantly uh, making mistakes. So uh, it made me kind of figure things out and adapt pretty quick, taught me how to adapt pretty quick and how to learn. Um, uh, let's say, uh, when, like when I first started doing jujitsu, I'd already wrestled for um, a few years. So I knew, I kind of knew how I got beat up a lot when I first started doing jujitsu. I wasn't natural at it. wasn't um, awesome at it. I still got beat up a lot. Um, but just because I already had that foundation and, um, and I knew, okay, I'm not, I'm going to be bad at this for a certain amount of time. Then I'm gonna start getting better and better and better. Um, was just ready, kind of ready for it. And then, um, like, this is just a funny memory I have is, uh, I think, um, this is just random. Like this is things that you'll learn if you get arm barred or you get taken down, you just get out wrestled over and over. Um, that's just hilarious. Um, if you start doing this, how you'll figure out little defense for things, um, or how to defend an armbar, things like this. But one of my one of my training partners, uh, Joseph, he had a I think he had a really good sweep single to my right leg, and I actually developed. It was a bad habit. Um, it was a it's something that a coach would tell you is a bad habit um, because I would take my right leg and I I leave my left leg. I was stepping my right leg and just I became he would sweep single me to my right leg so much like every single day. I don't know, 10 times a day, 20 times a day, five days a week. Every single day he would hit me with it. So I got to this point where I started randomly taking my right foot and I would step it laterally so it was behind um so it was crossing past my left foot, but it was my right leg is my rear leg. So it was like it's a big no-no because you're crossing your legs. Um and when you cross your legs, you know, you could just get doubled through, like you could just get pushed and maybe even just knocked over crossing your legs. But um so it's not a good habit that you want to train. But um that that's how like how my mind was constantly thinking because I was getting beat so much. Um but now I'm really, really thankful for it. Um because I learned how to uh just deal with um being embarrassed and losing and uh and learning from a loss. Uh kind of got forced to do it. So um, hope this helps you out. If, uh, if you feel like you're, you're kind of at a sticking point or you're at a plateau and you're trying to get past this barrier of, um, or, you know, or you're just getting stressed out when you get submitted, if you get choked, you get arm barred and it is, uh, stressing you out, it's pissing you off. I hope this, uh, just gives you a, a reason to, um, just, you know, start going for it a little bit more in your training and, um, hopefully, hopefully it helps out. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it and, uh, see everybody tomorrow, Monday at practice and, um, yeah, have some more podcasts more regular than every three weeks. So see you guys. See you everybody. See you.